Good morning, everybody. Um, we're going to be uh, turning in Luke's Gospel in just a short moment, so get your fingers at the ready. Um, uh, and as you're getting your fingers at the ready, I wonder what the best position you've ever been in has been. Um, for some of us, uh, it might be, um, you know, we're a chairman or like a, a chief executive of some business or charity or something like that. For some of us, we may say, I know I'm aware that this is painful, um, but uh, for, for one person in particular, um, but being with the witness of uh, the birth of your child or your grandchild, what a privileged position that might be. That might, you might say, that's the best position. Some of us may say, oh, my best position I've ever been was being front row seats uh, at my favourite band or my favourite sports team. Um, there might be a whole load of other things. Uh, for me, the, one of the best positions I've ever been in uh, was back in 2012, in June of 2012, a uh, few months before uh, the London Olympics, uh, and I, was, I got an email, uh, and I'd been selected as one of the 30,000-plus people that had a special one-off event uh, to the London Olympics opening ceremony tester event, um, rehearsal, essentially. Was anyone else there? No? Um, I have met someone who was there as well, um, so that's why I ask. Um, and it, it was it was pretty cool, you know. You, you, you got to, David Beckham or Rowan Atkinson went there, unfortunately. Um, but uh, I remember watching uh, it on when it actually happened, and being that annoying person kept on nudging my brother and my dad, saying, "Oh, I know what's going to happen next. Here's what's going to happen." And they kept on saying, "Shut up! We just want to enjoy it." Um, but the the thing about positions and the privilege it was to be in that position, particularly, was I had no influence on what was happening before me. And we're going to read a story in just a moment of a woman who had absolutely no privilege. And we're going to think this morning about what that means for us as we draw to a close our sermon, on, our sermon series on prayer and the contrast between what the widow's position is and what our position is and how that is to enable us to continue in our prayer lives as we go into this next year. We're going to hear of a woman, in fact, the widow, who comes before a just, who is an absolute scoundrel of a judge. But to understand the story, we've got to understand the context of first century Israel. If you were a woman in first century Israel, you had very little influence. And if you were a widow, you had no influence. Particularly when it came to courts of law. Courts of law belong to men. If you were a widow coming to the judge, it indicates that you've got no family who are willing to be there or even able, you've got no family at all who are going to be there with you. So you had to tend on your own and make your own case. And if that wasn't hard enough, the law courts were fixed and unjust. As a widow, you faced ultimate vulnerability. You've lost your status, you're in great need, and you lack money. That was the position of widows. Now, conversely, at the other end of the power and privilege spectrum are judges, appointed by the Roman Empire, with all the authority that they've been given, often making decisions that are very questionable. No one would ever challenge them. They decided as they wanted, and they had great influence. So as I read this passage, you'll see it on the screen. Have these two things in mind, the contrast between the widow and the judge. So will you turn with me if you've got your, the Red Bibles? Uh, this on page 1051 uh, from verse 1 of Luke chapter 18. Here we go. Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them 
that they should always pray and not give up. He said, in a certain town there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused. But finally he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care what people think, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me. And the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? This is the word of the Lord. It's all very Anglican, isn't it? Um, We're bringing to a close our four-part series. The first week we looked at what it means to be connected with God, not as a transaction in prayer, but from a basis of a relationship. Then we looked at confessing Jesus as Lord in our prayer lives and the importance of that. And then last week, James brought to us speaking about how we're to contend in the spiritual battle that we face. Today, we're looking at continuing. And by continuing, I don't mean to just view prayer as an activity that we do every 50, you know, for 15 minutes every day, uh, or before we go out the door on our way to work or wherever we're going. They're good things to do, of course, but if we view prayer as an activity, we're going to get bored very, very quickly. Prayer, Jesus wants, for Jesus, he wants prayer to be part of our lifestyle. It was part of his lifestyle. It wasn't an activity, it was his lifestyle. And so we're to follow Jesus' example. And so as we come to this next year, as Anne will bring next Sunday the vision for this next year, prayer is to be part of our lifestyle as individuals and as a church. We're told why Jesus told her this parable. I don't know if you spotted it in verse 1. To show them that they should always pray, that's one, and not give up. Always pray and not give up. And they're the two bases, or they're the two points upon which, well, they're the two bases upon the two points this morning. First point is this know your privileged position. And the second point is be persistent in petition. So, first of all, know your privileged petition, position. Jesus knows he wants his followers to always pray because he knows that it's only through him we're able to pray. Go back to week one of this series. We're in a relationship. It's a two-way street. Unlike the widow in the story that Jesus told who had no privileges, where her position was one of extreme vulnerability and immense exploitation, as followers of Jesus, we have the complete opposite position before God. We have the privilege of having access to God. Made possible, of course, only by Jesus and his death on that cross and his resurrection. We have the position before God has been forgiven, justified, 
before the creator of the universe. In other words, there's nothing that you can do this morning or at any point in your life, in your own right, that can make yourself right with God. As humans, on our own, we wanted to be, we want to be God of our own lives. On our own merit, we are but like the widow before the judge. But because of Jesus, we no longer have to be that vulnerable person. We no longer have to be someone without any privileges. We no longer have to be exploited. Because it was God who, of course, exploited death of his only power. Thank the Lord for Jesus. That is the means by which we have our privileged position. So we can relate to God, not by our own merit, but only by the merit of Jesus. It was Jesus who gave up his own privilege. It was Jesus who took up the cross, who was so vulnerable in that moment, beaten, abused, verbally attacked, who was exploited, so that he could exploit death, he could defeat death once and for all, so that we might have a relationship, that we might have access to the God of this universe. I've been reading some old preachers uh, of the 19th century recently, um, some sermons, and this is a guy I've particularly taken to, his name is Charles Finney, a 19th century American preacher, and he said this, prayer is real access to God and electrifies the mind and fires it with boundless enthusiasm. Prayer starts with the acknowledgement that we have access to God. Prayer needn't be an activity that we go through every day and become bored of. No, prayer, if we start acknowledging our privileged position, ought to fire us up with that boundless enthusiasm, that Charles, what a name Charles is by the way, Boundless enthusiasm fires you up. That's the gospel. Flipping out. Privileged position. Someone once said to me, Danny, if you're ever struggling to pray, you never know what to pray. And I'm, I assure you, I have at times, very often in fact, struggled to pray. Don't know what to say feel like something's dry within me, feel like an empty dam, feel like an empty riverbed, life circumstances and all that. You know what they said to me? They said, pray the gospel to yourself. That's the thing that fires you up, what Charles is on about in that quote. And when I do, oh my word, it's like the words don't stop. I've like I've got verbal diarrhea talking to God. I remind myself of my privileged position in Jesus. I'm not like the widow before the judge who's got no privileges, no respect in society. But before the face of our almighty God, we have all the power, we have all the privilege, we have all the, the love and the mercy and the grace and forgiveness. I could keep going. I hope you're getting the point. The word athletics championships has just started. I love watching the athletics. Anyone else? Just a couple of people. Um, the 100 meter race was last night, um, 9.76 or 8 seconds, I think it was. Um, 
9.79. There we go. Thank you, Anne. Um, I wasn't paying full attention, obviously. Um, there we, that was that. And then on Friday night, there was the marathon at like midnight where like 40% of the people dropped out. All these different races that are going to happen this next week, um, which I can't wait to watch. Um, the thing about it is they've all been chosen. They're all in a privileged position to be on that start line ready to go. And it sounds obvious what I'm about to say next, but they can't continue in their race unless they realize that they're in a privileged position. You hear that in their interviews afterwards. Oh, I'm so thankful for being chosen to be in this race. I got a PB or I had a tough race, but they know that they're privileged position to be there. The same is true of us. We can't continue in the race of life following Jesus if unless we realize the privileged position that we're in. We've been chosen. Jesus says it in verse seven, you're God's elect. Your privileged position before the face of Almighty God is that you get to pray to him and continue to pray with him, to him at all times. So first point, know your privileged position. Second point this morning, be persistent in petition. Jesus knows that as followers of his, um, there's going to be hard times. He says, don't lose heart. Life is hard. You don't need me here standing here telling you how hard your life is at the moment or has been in the past or it will be in the future. You've got a very real lived experience of that, I'm sure. The widow this morning, though, she for sure was faced with a difficult, hard situation. She didn't lose heart. And she just kept coming with one petition. Grant justice against my adversary. Of course, the judge wasn't clearly a decent one because he just he, he had no regard to humans and he didn't even fear God. And so when someone as vulnerable and as powerless as this widow comes to him and says, give me justice against my adversary, the judge is heartless. In the face of all of that, she had no permission to be persistent, but she had one petition with which she was persistent. I'll say that again. She had no permission as a widow in that society, but she had one petition with which she was persistent. Give me justice from my adversary. In other words, we might, we've just said it in the Lord's Prayer. We might say something like, your kingdom come, deliver me from evil. I'm paraphrasing, of course. Jesus says in verse six, hear what the unrighteous judge says. So what does he say? Let's have a look. In verse four, even though I don't fear God or care what people think, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me. The, the judge is absolutely petrified that the woman's going to come and beat her up with her persistence and her words. Here's the good news this morning. God is not like that judge. God is not going to be fed up with your persistence if you keep coming to him. You can come, even if you've just got one petition, and I'm sure you've got more than one, you can keep going and you can be persistent and you can keep going and God will not be worn down like this judge. Because that's what Jesus goes on to say in verse 7 and 8. God is not in the slightest, for one moment, 
like that unjust judge. God wants us to continually come to him. We do have the permission to be persistent because we are in Jesus. We have that relationship. I'm I'm sure you do have more than one petition. We're to pray always and not lose heart. Charles Spurgeon, another guy I've been reading recently, great preacher from the 19th century, said this, we should pray in all circumstances, in our poverty and in our wealth, in our health and in our sickness, in the bright days of festival and in the dark nights of lament. Prayer should sanctify everything. So from that widow's lowly position, she was for sure persistent. So why on earth would we lose heart when we know our privileged position? And we know that we can be persistent in petition. And just a side note, as we petition, listen. Listen to what God is saying in return. Listen to what God's spirit is saying to you in those moments when you petition, when you bring something to God. Life is busy. Cambridge is mad busy. When we view prayer as an activity, something that we have to do or that we do, we, in subconsciously we're thinking to ourselves, I'm losing time here. My time's precious. When I pray, I'm losing time. But when we view prayer as a lifestyle, something shifts. It's like driving a car. You shift gears. Something changes. Prayer from an activity to a lifestyle, you begin to think, how can I use my time? Of course, it's important to spend regular time praying and I definitely would advocate for that. There's something more holistic is what we're on about this morning. So how might we be able to be persistent in our prayers? Well, here's just a few ideas that um, sort of uh, help me. There's, there's, they're not by no means the only way uh, for you to be persistent in terms of the overall lifestyle. First one is arrows, arrow prayers. We, this is something we teach kids um, over in B Kids on a Sunday. Have, have you, has anyone ever done archery? Or ever seen archery? I'm sure we can all picture it. You shoot it, don't you? And it goes so quick. Last a split second. An arrow prayer is simply that. You see something, you hear something, just fire a quick arrow prayer. Help that person. God bless them. Give us wisdom. Let there be peace. Doesn't need to be worthy or complicated. Quick arrow prayers. Fire it. Get them. You've got lots in your bow, in your in your thing, because life is full of moments where you want to fire stuff off to God. Even if it's thanks, say, thank you, God, for that person. Thank you, God, for that conversation. Arrow prayers. Second, in between us. I'm not talking about the TV show. Um, I do this when I'm moving from one thing to the next. Whether it's from a conversation to a conversation, a meeting to a meeting, a, an activity or activity, or whatever it is, um, I'll do an in-between a prayer. And I'll, and I'll simply, three things I'll do. I'll say, Thank you for that time with that person or that thing. Help us as we continue to 
relate to one another and do this stuff that we're talking about or whatever it is. And give me the wisdom now in what I'm about to step into next. Three simple things. In a sense, it's sort of like an arrow prayer, but maybe a bit longer. Sometimes, you know, if I'm sitting at my desk, I realize a lot of us might work at a desk uh, in our offices. And so it might be a bit odd if every 10 minutes between emails you're walking away. Um, I, just, I sometimes spin on my, spin on my chair in my, de- in my office. And in that spinning, I just do a quick in-between a prayer. I might walk off to the toilet or go and make myself a cup of tea. We've got a bit longer. That's cool. Do what you know. I, you don't need me to tell you what works for you. In between the prayers. Uh, responders is the third one. This is in response to something. I might have seen someone just knocked off a bike on the road. I'll go over and obviously make sure they're all right and all that. But and offer to pray with them. And as I'm going away, I'll continue to pray, of course, for that person. What they're going to go and do with that day. Um, I often find when I do respond to prayers, I, I, I do it out loud as well. Um, when I'm walking between stuff or from, from, again from things. Uh, or again, if you're in a place where there's lots of people, um, quietly whisper to yourself in your hand if that helps. Um, I know people might think you're a bit odd, but God doesn't, so whatever. Um, and when I'm done, they respond to prayer, I'll say the Lord's Prayer. So arrows in between as responders, they're all in some ways variations on the same principle. Spontaneity. Structure is a good thing, of course, and there's a lot of structure in this city. Spontaneity, God's spirit is alive. And so as you embed prayer into your lifestyle, move away from activity, look out for the spontaneous moments where you can fire off arrow prayers, you can do those in-betweeners, you can respond to stuff as you pray. I'm coming uh, to a close in just a moment. And as I do, I'm going to use another quote from that guy, Charles Finney. He was a guy who knew his privileged position and who was persistent in petition. He said this, the more people pray, the more they love prayer and the more they will enjoy God. God wants you, God wants us to enjoy him. So pray. Know your privileged position before God. And from that position, be persistent in petition at every opportunity. Let's just take a moment to pause, to think what's God been saying to you this morning. It might be something very simple. It might be a reminder of something you were once told or taught or it might be a new revelation. And in the silence, in just a moment, send God a quick prayer. Ask him to put a highlight on something or make the highlight even bolder. And then consider what you're going to do about it.